Welcome to the Gospel City Church Podcast. We're glad to have you here. We hope you would hear, be challenged, and encouraged by this week's teaching. Head to gospelcitynow.com for more information. All right, so today we're starting a journey, 2023. Uh, we are starting in the book of Hebrews, and I am pumped about the book of Hebrews. I've been studying it for now for a month, probably uh, in, in, in full, and and uh, probably a little bit before that, just sketching out some, but man, just really excited about the book of Hebrews, and it's probably going to take us, uh, I think, between 25 and 30 weeks to get through it. We're going to space it out throughout the year. We'll have some breaks for Easter and summer and different things, but uh, I'm excited about the journey of walking through uh, through this book, and, and uh, you know, the reason I'm excited about it for the life of our church, you know, the reason why Hebrews is written is to help believers grow and to, to help struggling believers grow, too, you know, so, so it's really an encouraging book. Matter of fact, in uh, the author of the book in, in chapter 13, verse 32, says he's written a word of exhortation. It's just a, a word of encouragement uh, to the audience that he's writing to that they would be spurred on to greater worship, greater uh, putting, remembering where Jesus belongs as, a, as superior to all things and, and just worshiping him as he deserves. And so it's a great encouragement. Now there's warnings throughout the book and, and dangers throughout the book of drifting away. I think all of that will be very encouraging to us as we live out 2023 and hopefully grow in, in the Lord. Now, we don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. There's a lot of speculations. I've heard pastors definitively say it's Paul that wrote Hebrews. It, honestly, they just don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different theories. Maybe it was Apollos. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, there was one theory I heard that was quite fascinating that it was because Hebrews is written kind of as a sermon, not, not as an epistle, like, like the letters that Paul typically wrote. So it's kind of a, a sermon. So maybe Paul preached a sermon that Luke documented on his behalf and a lot of different things, a lot of different theories. The reality is we don't know who wrote it. And uh, I'll echo Origen, who says, as to who wrote the epistle, truly only God knows. And uh, I'm kind of resolved to say if God wanted us to know who wrote it, he would have told us. And so it's not uh, worth wasting a whole lot of time on trying to figure out who wrote and spending lots of time on that. Uh, it, it, it is widely believed uh, that, uh, like I said, it's not a traditional epistle. It's, it's a sermon. And if it is a sermon, it's, it's a good model of an expositional sermon, really of Psalm 110, really Psalm 110, 1 and 4. And we'll get into those things because he's going to quote those in, in further chapters. But you, you have what is laid out as expositional preaching, an expositional sermon, meaning taking a, a scripture and saying, what does this say? What does this scripture actually mean? Not, not, uh, not necessarily throwing a bunch of ideas into sermons, but looking at a text and saying, this is what the text actually means. This is what the text actually says. And so that's kind of what the sermon is doing. And, and uh, like I said, it's a word of ex exhortation. And, and so it's meant to be an encouragement to us, to our faith. It's meant to be an encouragement to the audience that was listening to the sermon. And in particular, to see uh, the supremacy of Jesus and to worship him as God, as he is. That's what Hebrews is about, to, to see Jesus as the supremacy of Christ and to worship him as God and, and, and to not stray from the, from the faith. And, you know, straying from the faith is a real danger. Obviously, it was a real danger to the audience here in Hebrews uh, that, that Hebrews is written to. 
because over and over again, they're, they're given warnings not to stray away, not to fall away uh, fr- from the faith. But we also know it's a danger for us. We all know people that we did life with, we've done church with, we've, we've worshiped together with, and, uh, and they're nowhere now to be found in the church. Right? You maybe looked up to them for a period of time. They were maybe even teachers to a certain degree. And then they started to drift away. And now they have no relationship with the church and maybe the Lord. And, and, and so there is that danger. We all know people that, that do that, that, that have done that. And so, so if it's a reality for some people, it can be a reality for us. So we want to be a people that say, hey, I'm not going to be so prideful to say that can't happen to me. I, I want to be grounded in the word of God. To know him and, and to say, all right, what do I got to do to not do that? What do I got to do to not drift away? And, and, and that's what Hebrews is going to continue to encourage us. How can we stay close to Christ and not drift from him? I, I think the hymn, uh, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, says it best when it says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace now like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. And then listen to this. You know this probably. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You know, we want to be a people that is bound to him. (laughs) Sealed in him. Oh, Lord, we're prone to wander. We feel it. Bind us to yourself. And I think that's what Hebrews is going to help us do. And that's why I'm so excited about the book. I, I think it's really going to help us to grow in, in Christ. I do also want to remind you, I think the audience that Hebrews is written to was, was kind of stuck, um, spiritually speaking. They were, they were stuck in, in a lot of ways. And, and so the, the author of Hebrews is really trying to encourage them uh, of the dangers of drifting away, to stay close to the Lord, stay close to His Word. And, and uh, in, in chapter 5, we'll get to this, <coughs> but he accuses them of um, uh, needing milk because they're not ready for meat, meaning that they're very spiritually immature people, right? They're a spiritually immature people. And so Hebrews is encouraging them, hey, you, 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 you're calling yourself Christians, but really you're babies. You haven't grown at all. I can't even give you meat. You really still need milk. Uh, when you really should be teaching by now, but you, you're still on, on milk. So he, he challenges them in that thing. And then, and then in Hebrews 6.1, he says, Therefore, after he said all that, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and, uh, 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 and go on to maturity. So he's, what he's encouraging them in is they got to grow. They, you know, just staying where they are is not okay. And so they're, they're spiritually immature, and then he wants them to, to, to leave the elementary doctrines and to begin to grow in their trust of Christ, their faith in Christ, and become mature in Christ. Now, here's the challenge for us, Gospel City. Let us resolve that by this time next year, in 2024, that this will have been a, a year of spiritual growth for us, a year of spiritual maturity for us, a year where we grow closer to Christ. Um, and, and that should be our desire, should be our wants, and let, let us do that, okay, through the book of Hebrews. All right, let's, let's dive in. You ready? Let's get started. Hebrews 1, I'm going to read it again. It says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom... Also, he created the world. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Okay, a couple of points I want us to get. First one, that God spoke. What an incredible blessing. It said long ago, many times, many ways, God spoke through the prophets. Now, there's a contrast happening here in the way that God had spoken and the way he's speaking at that time, right? He said that long ago and in many ways that God had spoke to our fathers through the prophets. You know, we, we have uh, the Old Testament. Many of those prophets we, we have written down that we, we've seen how God has spoken to the, the fathers that had come before uh, this time. And, and so, it, you know, the author of Hebrews here is likely speaking to second generation Jewish Christians. And so, it, that, that by the way, like I said, they're drifting. One of the ways that they're drifting is not necessarily towards paganism. They're kind of drifting towards the law. They're kind of drifting towards going back to the sacrificial system. That's why the, much of the book of Hebrews is talking about how Jesus is the great high priest, the one sacrifice needed, necessary for salvation. There is no need for another sacrifice. And so he, it, it, they're being tempted to go back into the old kind of law. And so what, what the author of Hebrews, you, you, you know, roller coasters, when you ride a roller coaster, typically they go, they go up the thing, go tick, 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 and then fall down, right? Have you ever rode the Hulk at, at Universal Studios? It doesn't do that. It starts out it goes bang like that. That's what the author of Hebrews is doing right here. He's starting out of the gate saying, listen, y'all, y'all need to get some things straight here, right? And here's what you need to get straight. Yes, you're going back into old law, but listen, God spoke to us that way, but now he's spoken in another way through his own son, right? So he's beginning to correct these individuals that are trying to get back into the old ways of, 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 of the old covenant, basically. And so he's, he's really encouraging them to see that God spoke in those ways, but now he has spoken to him through his own son. Now, it, you know, the reality is that God has spoken, and, and that deserves just great, I mean, really just some meditation on that truth. Think about this, guys. Like When God created the world, he created Adam and Eve, and it didn't take long before we sinned, we rebelled, um, and then generation after generation after generation uh, came along continuing to sin, continuing to not worship God, continuing to walk in their old ways. Uh, God wiped out uh, uh, everyone with a flood except for eight people. Then again, generation after generation after generation after generation of rebelling against God and sinning against Him. He owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. And yet, in His great mercy, goodness, and grace, He still spoke. He spoke to the prophets, telling them the way, the way to walk in righteousness, the things that would be pleasing to Him, the, the, the law, the things that, that how to walk rightly and how to walk as the people of God. And then He, he even, the further revelation, He spoke through His own Son and, and, and continues to speak to us now through His own Word. Like God is so good to us to speak. So good to us to continue to speak to us and and, and, and walk in our lives in that, in that kind of way. Now, I, I would continue to encourage us 
Um, if God is speaking through his word, we, you know, we should be a people that listen to You know, in our generation, we've got more Bibles than we know what to do with, and yet we don't read any of them. You know, so I hope that maybe the new year, you know, some people are anti-resolutions. Uh, I would say, you know, I would encourage you to at least have one. And if it was something to do with reading the Bible, that would be incredible. Because God is still speaking. Are we listening? Are we reading the Word of God? Are we hearing from Him? Right? And, God, and just, the, again, the beauty of our great merciful and gracious God to speak to a people that didn't deserve it is just incredible. Just incredible. So, so the author here is making, making a point that he spoke to the prophets. Now he's spoken to the Son. Now, now we understand that with the revelation of Christ, speaking of God through the Son, and the, and the Holy Spirit completing the New Testament, we have no, no need for any other further revelation. We have all we need for life in Christ now and eternity. We have everything we need. So anyone who, like Galatians says, if anyone brings another word, let him be accursed, right? We have all we need right here in the scriptures. And so we, we, God is speaking. He has spoken. And we, we hold fast uh, to his word. And, and, and the only way we're going to grow closer to Christ and the only way we're not going to drift away from him is by hearing from him through his word. That's the only way. So let us be a people of the book. Let us be a people of the word. All right, second point. Uh, and probably the main point of this passage is that Jesus is a better prophet. Jesus is a better prophet. Now, it, it goes on to begin talk about the, 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 the attributes of Christ or the things that have been given, given over to Christ. And the text goes, it says that he was appointed heir of all things. He was appointed the heir of all things. To be an heir was to be invested with everything, meaning that the, the son is given full authority. He, he, he's given full authority to, to, do, to do business with the fathers, to, business, to do business with the son. He's, he's the heir of all things. And if you're going to know the Father, you're only going to do that by way of the Son. That's the only way we're going to know the Father, is through, through the Son. Then it says, through whom he created the world. Now, if you have started a read through the Bible in a year plan, uh, it wasn't long ago that you hit Genesis 1, 2, right? And you saw God creating the heavens and, and the earth. Uh, you know, in those beginning words of the Scripture, uh, you know, we, we see that the entire Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is involved in creation. And we, we see that in the very early pages of the Scripture. What, what, what a great testimony of God. I was, I was reading a, 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 a sermon from a pastor, and he was quoting some different scientists. But listen to some of these things about our universe. Uh, you, you probably have heard of Stephen Hawking. He's a Cambridge um, physicist. He says that our galaxy is an average-sized spiral galaxy that looks to other galaxies like a swirl of a pastry roll that is over 100,000 light years across. That's 600 trillion miles. That's our, that's our galaxy, right? So, and, and we know that our galaxy is only one of some 100 thousand million I, I had to write it down how to write that number down I, what, what does that even mean like, he's just making stuff a hundred thousand million galaxies um, that, that, that we can see with modern telescopes and he, each each galaxy contains within itself some hundred thousand million stars that's crazy another even crazier thing about creation Edwin Hubble 
he, he, uh, based on the, uh, this thing called a Doppler effect, it, he, he's showing um, the things that we can, the, the galaxies that we can see uh, with, his, with his Doppler effect, they're called, they're called red spectrum galaxies. If they're red spectrum galaxies, that means that the galaxy is actually moving away from us. And most galaxies that we can see are moving away from us, which theorizes that the, that the, that the universe is continuing to expand. And matter of fact, they, said, they theorize that um, the most distant galaxy is 8 billion light years away and racing away from us at 200 million miles an hour. That's crazy. Here's how the author of Hebrews says it. He says, God did all that through his son. Everything in creation. Everything that we can see. I went to the beach on Friday. You sit at, and, and you just, every time I go to the beach, maybe this is morbid, I don't know, but I just thank God at any moment that entire ocean can swallow me. And you hold it back. And you created all this beauty. This, what, praise be to God through whom he created all things. Through his son he created all things. The supremacy of Christ is put on display. And then he goes even further. Look at Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. The radiance is how he reveals himself. It's, it's comparable to the Shekinah glory of the Old Testament. You know, he, he is uh, essentially the reflection of who God is. If you want to know what God is like, you look at him. Because he's the very radiance, the reflection of God's glory. He is the divine revelation. The, the Son is the revelation of God's glory. He, he, he's the radiance from the source. He's it. And then it, then it goes on, and I, I love this imagery. It says he's the exact imprint of his nature. Not only does he reflect God, he is God. He's, he is the exact imprint of, you know, there's no human son that is the exact imprint of their father. You know, we may say things like he's a chip off the old block or the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? We never say the tree dropped another tree that looked just like the tree. We don't say that, you know, it's always a little different. But However, I have noticed for some reason when my kids are being mischievous or getting in trouble, they're like their father. But if they're being sweet or they're being polite, well-behaved, they're like their mother. I don't understand that. I'm a little bitter. We'll get over it, right? Uh, well, the difference is Jesus is, in fact, the exact imprint of the Father. So, so the Son is identical in substance to God, being Himself fully God. In all attributes, in all abilities, the Son is exactly like the Father. Um, this is extra. I didn't put this in my notes, but I was reading a sermon from Ligon Duncan who was quoting like this Augustinian monk who said that there is no unchristlikeness in God. Let me say that again because I had to read that like four times before it's like, what does that even mean? There is no unchristlikeness in God. So we often say that Jesus is the exact imprint of his father. The same thing goes the other way. They are the exact imprint of one another. So if we're to look at God the Father, there is no unchrist likeness in God. 
So to look at the Son is to see the Father. That's why Jesus could say things like that. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Or when he says, I and the Father are one. Because they are. God is Trinity. And, and having a Trinitarian Christology or a, a, a thoughts of Christ is of vital importance for the health of a church. That God is one God, but He is in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and this is... This is a, a beautiful, you know, I can't sit down and explain this into, to, for you to say, oh, yeah, I figured it out. None of us have figured it out. We just read it in the scriptures and we believe it. This is part of the faith. But we, we see it to be true in the scriptures. We hold fast to it. And, and I don't know if we'll ever, I don't even know if we'll understand when we get into heaven. It's, it's, it's so, such a marvelous thing to ponder and to meditate on. It's beyond us. But praise be to God for it. God is Trinity. Then it says this. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. So he preserves it, so, which means that um, if the sun ever ceased to will the universe to exist, it would cease to exist. You remember Avengers Endgame? I figured it's appropriate to talk about while we're in a the- theater when everybody kind of turns to ash, right? When Thanos does the rings, and spoiler alert, you know, right? Uh, and everybody just kind of, well, I forget what they call, but they just kind of turn to ash, Right? It, it, we are being held together right now by Christ. And if he said, say, we should turn to ash, he'd turn us to ash. We're held together by him. He upholds the universe by, his, by, by, by the word of his power. This is what is fascinating to me. And if you're in here and you don't know Christ, and maybe you have been a, 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 a contrarian towards the things of God, and you say, I don't believe this garbage. This stuff doesn't make sense. You spit in the very face that gives you life. You spit in the very face of the one who holds you together. Isn't that incredible? L- listen to this. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Praise be to God. Now, the audience of Hebrews had seemed to have forgotten who Jesus was. And matter of fact, it, it, it's, it's said that they were probably really exalting angels. And we're going to get into that next week. Uh, angels are important, but not the most important. And we'll get into that next week. Uh, but the author of Hebrews is reminding them, no, the supremacy of Christ is far above that. Far beyond that. And, 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 and so they also were seeming to value the sacrificial system and the old covenant. And, and the author of Hebrews is, is obviously writing them, says Jesus is better. He's a better prophet. He's a better priest. He's a better king. He's greater. He's better. So he's encouraged them to, hey, lift your eyes to, to, to exalt Christ as he rightly deserves. And I would hope that we would do the same thing. Next point, we, we see in the text Christ's accomplishments. And I love this. It says, after making purification, and that's the role of the priest that Jesus assumes, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. So Jesus, 
Though God, higher than the prophets, higher than the angels, came to seek and to save the lost. He came making purification for sins, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So when Jesus went to the cross, he did the work of making purification of sins. Not his own sins, of course, but ours. Our sin. He did so by shedding his own blood. And notice the scripture, I love that it says he sat down. This indicates that he completed the task that he set out to do. That, that he finished the work. That means when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just go to the cross to make salvation possible. He went there to accomplish a work. And that work was he would take the sin on himself of all those who would believe. As, as 2 Corinthians says, that he who knew no sin became sin, not arbitrary sin, but the particular sins of those who would believe upon him. And he took those sins and paid for them on the cross. And when Jesus on the cross, remember when he says, when our Lord says, it is finished, what is finished? What is finished is the completed payment that our sins deserve. The wrath of God poured out on him for the sins that we committed, the sins that we were born into, the sins that we deserved. And so our sins were imputed to him, given to him, and then his righteousness is imputed to us, as the scripture goes on to say in 2 Corinthians, so that we might become the righteousness of God. We get his righteousness. So when he went to the cross, he made purification for particular sins, our sins who would believe upon him, and then he accomplished that. He said it is finished. He went to the tomb, and then three days later, he rose again, defeating it forever, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father because the work's done. The work is finished. The work is complete. If you are in Christ, your sins have been paid for. Righteousness has been yours. The righteousness of Christ. That burden, if, you, if you're fighting sin now, you're, defi- you're fighting defeated foes. You're, you're putting on you bondage that you're not meant to carry. Christ has paid your debt. Paid for your sin. And then He sat down at the right hand. The right hand uh, in the Scriptures just refers to favor and authority. The rightful position that Christ deserves. Right? And this is where he is now, at the right hand of the Father. And, and, and think about this, making intercession for you, praying for you right now. That's what the Son is doing. Sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. And then quickly, <coughs> we see the supremacy of Christ. I'll deal with this more next week. There in verse 4, but we see that he's much superior to angels. And, and the name, it says that the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. What name? The name of son is more excellent than angels. Son is higher than angels. Obviously, uh, Jesus um, was, was, it doesn't mean that he was adopted into some kind of divine sonship. Uh, he, he has always been the eternal son of God. We'll, we'll get into that in verse 5. Uh, of next week because it points us to Jesus being the fulfillment for the Davidic covenant. And so we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that next week. But how do these truths impact us as we kind of, so what? 
right? I mean, we, I mean, obviously, hopefully you have a, you know, kind of, you've been buoyed up to see Jesus for who he is. Man, all things hold together in him. You know, he, he is the exact imprint and the nature of God. Like, he's worthy of our worship. And he made purification for our sin. He sat at the right hand of the, of, of the Father of majesty. The work is finished. Hopefully that has elevated our, our view of Christ to, to the point that we treasure Jesus. We treasure him as creator. We treasure him as, as redeemer. That we would walk out of here and our greatest application would be to treasure Christ more in our life. And, and, and the greatest aim of our life would be to, to glory in him, to treasure him. So, so what does it mean? We treasure him, I think, by worshiping him. You know, uh, not just when we sing, but certainly when we sing, that we would treasure him, we would glory in him but also the scripture says whatever you do whether you eat or drink give glory to god that all that we do should be a a glorying in god a worshiping of of god we treasure him by listening to and obeying the word of god i think if god has spoken many years ago through the through the prophets now through the son through his word that we would do well to treasure him by listening to his word and not just hearing it and walking away unchanged, but being hearers and doers of the word of God. I think we treasure him by beholding him. That we behold Christ, who is the exact imprint of the nature of God. What we behold is what we become. What you spend most time dwelling on is what you'll be most like. So let us treasure him by beholding him, thinking about these things that we've talked about, that he is that high, he's that superior, he, he's the exact imprint of the nature of God, he's created the whole world, he sustains the whole world. These are things that, that we can spend a lifetime dwelling on and never get to the end of. So let us behold Christ. Let us behold Christ and watch the things of the earth grow strangely dim. Right? When we behold who He is, our problems seem to dwindle in the light of His goodness and grace. And then lastly, let us treasure Him by trusting the gospel. He made purification for our sins and then sat down at the right hand of majesty. Do you treasure Him by trusting Him for the purification of your own sins? Maybe you're in here and you don't know Jesus. You've never trusted Him as your Lord and Savior. You, you've never bowed your need to Christ. I would encourage you to trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross in faith. That, that means that there is no other hope for you besides that hope. Like If God were to stand here and ask you, when you get to heaven and God says, hey, why should I let you into heaven if your answer is anything to do with the things you've done, you're missing the point. Those who will be allowed entrance into heaven are those that have said, there is nothing that I have done that has earned my entrance into heaven is good enough to get into heaven. The only thing I can say is I've trusted in Jesus Christ to be my way in, to be my righteousness, to take my sin and to make me holy. Do you trust him? Have you trusted him in that by faith? I would encourage you that today is a day for salvation.
Not tomorrow, not when you figure things out, not when you clean up your life a little more. Today is a day for you to be saved. So trust and treasure him by trusting the gospel. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to us. And uh, man, Hebrews starts off with a bang. (laughs) Just glory to God. Glory to God. (laughs) You are superior. I mean, if anything, it just reminds us of our position is, is, you know, even smaller than maybe we thought it was. (laughs) You are creator of all things, ruler of all things, worthy to be worshipped and praised. You are greater. You are better than all the things you've created. Angels, (laughs) covenants. So God, I, I, just, I just pray you would help us to lift our eyes and worship Christ. God, would you do a great work in the life of our church that, that, that we would just be more and more Christ-centered, Jesus-centered, Jesus-exalting. Father, I pray for our folks, that, God, this year would be a year of spiritual growth. Obviously, there are, there's an enemy, there's evil that wants to keep us from doing that. So, sure, our lives will get busy real quick. We'll get sick real quick. We'll, we'll have car issues real quick. We'll have to figure out job stuff really quick. But let us be grounded and resolved to say we're clinging closely to Christ and not letting go. And, God, we... we preach your word to ourselves that says you have us in your hand and you're not letting go. And so, Father, let us grow in Christ in the coming days. Lord, if there is someone in here that doesn't know Christ, maybe they know they don't know Christ, I pray that you would help them to ponder these things, that their very breath flowing through their lungs right now, inhale, exhale, is at your hand. Or for those that are in here that maybe think they're saved and not saved, maybe they're trusting in their own righteousness and not the work of Christ on the cross. I pray that you would open eyes and reveal hearts and draw to yourself and save. God, you are good and worthy to be praised. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel City Church Podcast. We hope you found encouragement, inspiration, and biblical truth that will challenge you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Our mission is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the city and to the church and to see disciples who follow him wholeheartedly. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. This will help us reach more people with a life-changing message of the gospel. You can also visit our website at gospelcitynow.com to learn more about our church and our ministry. Remember, the gospel is not just a message to be heard, it's to be lived. So let us be sent out this week boldly bringing hope, love, and truth to the city and the church. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to next time.